0: You're listening to The Career Geek Podcast, episode number five. In this episode, we hear from Dan Graff, who works in animation in the story unit.
1: My name is Dan Graff, a.k.a. Graphics, originally from Brisbane. I've moved to Sydney recently, and I work at Dr. D Studios, which is George Miller's film studio. I work in the story unit, which is the place where we uh, develop the story. I... am I guess you could describe my role as a 3D animator and we work very rapidly to prototype sections of movies or the entire movie for the director and we have to do fast turnaround work in 3D animation software to uh, test out sequences that might be comedy sequences or action sequences, uh, workshopping the script with the writers, workshopping the visuals with the storyboard artists and transferring everything into a rough draft 3D animation format.
0: When you say 3D animation, do you mean uh, more pre-production 3D animation, like the animatics and such?
1: Yeah, uh, well, my background is working in computer games, and I still love computer games. And so the, the kind of output that we generate from the story, story unit is called previs, and previs is like game graphics. Yeah, so it's sort of like a animatic moving coloured storyboards, I guess. Yeah, and, and previews in recent times has become quite detailed and very fast to produce. So, yeah, it looks almost like a computer game. So how did you get into this? Did you study? Uh, yeah, I did. I began by doing a Bachelor of Communication Design at QUT in Brisbane. And that was, yeah, it, it was very broad, but I chose to major in 3D animation. And so I started learning Maya and 3D Studio Max. And I was a modeler and rigger and animator b- before I left, and I worked in a... Uh, I worked in a small studio in Tasmania called Adam Walker Film, and we worked on a short film called Sam and Piccolo, which was finished recently, about 2007. And, uh, yeah, and then I went back to study, and I did honours at QUT before going to the Australian Film, Television and Radio School, or AFTIS, and there I majored in digital media, doing my master's, and I began a short 3D animated film called Arcadia, which is almost finished now. Can you just give me a rundown of just what your normal day is like? What are your... Or what you, or if you don't have a normal day, what you're most commonly doing? Um, I switch off my alarm and snooze for a bit. I roll out of bed, complain to myself, stomp downstairs. No, it's probably covering too much. Um, <laughs> after going to the gym, I turn up at work, and from about 9am onwards, it's pretty intense, actually. We... We get uh, notes via email in our inbox telling us, hey, you know, the director really liked this and really liked this, but we'd like to try out uh, this sequence in the movie from a different character's point of view, and perhaps we should try this line of dialogue instead. And so by the end of the day, hopefully working between modelling sets and animating characters and working with motion capture animation that might be generated from another department and working with shaders, uh, which are the colours and textures that you see on on characters and environments, and working with lighting, uh, putting all of those things together very rapidly to re-envisage a work in progress. Uh, by the end of the day. And usually you have a lead who checks your work as you go and you sort of discuss it with them and they'll say, oh, why don't you try an 18mm lens and try a high-angle shot instead of a low-angle shot. So you do that and you try out several different options and you submit them to editorial at the end of the day and then the very next morning you will be asked to turn up in the editorial suite where they will review your work and you will discuss it with them and they'll say, hey, hmm, how's this working and should we try a different sequence or should we go back to the old idea or should we try a completely new one? And that's on a shot-by-shot, scene-by-scene basis and after about 18 months you end up with a full 3D animated rough draft of a film which can then go into all the expensive long-term processes like, you know, fur and... Uh you know photorealistic lighting, realistic water dynamics and ice and snow, and all this sort of stuff because we are working on a on a Happy Feet Two, which is a lot of Antarctic environments and realistic-looking penguins.
0: Well, you're working on Mad Max Four as well at the same time, aren't you?
1: Uh, the studio is working on Mad Max Four, we haven't yet done any previews for that. Yeah. So, th-
0: so you, so you would cool. do a similar um, story development
1: thing, whether it's live action or animation. Um, I think in the case of Mad Max, that might be a slightly different process. Our the previous department, when involved in Mad Max, would be more concerned with uh, simulations of stunts because it's a live action movie they might have a whole bunch of different situations in which cars might be crashing together and people would be performing stunts on them and it's a lot cheaper and a lot safer to prototype those sequences on computer than it is to try and enact them in real life
0: you're you're in the story unit is that, is that why i should should say
1: uh yeah is the story unit yeah.
0: is your role because it involves storytelling animation and a number of, of, of filmmaking skills is your job something that someone's going to get into or do you or to get your job did you have to have experience in but other roles role, roles as an anime roles as a writer and such
1: i think the way i got into it might be a special case i interviewed george miller as part of my master's research and i think we hit it off and he offered me a job but that that's not typically how someone would get into it if if someone but i suppose all of my prior experience is what led me to that that point um the the kind of thing, if, if you're looking at getting into being a, a previs artist or a 3D animator or a, even just someone who works in a story unit developing stories with a director, or, or for that matter being a game designer or a writer for games, all of these things are, you know, they blur into one another now, the way production's going. If you want to get into that, the best thing you can do is learn about the structure of storytelling and how it works on a visual level, how it works on a plot and a dramatic level, how, to, how characters work together to, to communicate meaning in, in a story on, a, on an emotional level. And all of these things involve some kind of psychology. Uh, part of the reason that I got the job, I think, is because I have a very good understanding of the psychology of drama and how stories work on a character-driven level. But I think the other reason I got the job is because I have a very good understanding of visual communication, and film is primarily a visual medium. So whatever's going on on that screen has to communicate very clearly the intents of the characters and the situation that they're in. So I would say there's two things you should learn about, visual communication and dramatic psychology.
0: Well, more on that. When people, uh, If people are looking for uni courses, what things should they make sure are in their courses?
1: I think... D- definitely learn about computer graphics and animation, but whether it be 2D, 3D, it doesn't really matter. There's you know a whole plethora of different uh, uh, visual specificity there. But I think the most important one is that you, f- you learn about yourself and you find out what your strengths are. And even if you're still not sure what you want to do, commit yourself to something and you can change it later. So a- apply for a- an animation course, apply for a visual design course or apply for a writing course or do all three and spread yourself thin across a lot of different things to begin with. Take a shotgun approach, you know. Chuck yourself at all of these things, see what sticks, and then narrow it down as you go. Don't feel like you have to commit to a career from the first course that you decide to take. But at the same time, do learn from yourself what your strengths are and what you're interested in. Don't, don't do anything that doesn't feel right for you from the outset. You know, follow your nose. When, when you're starting out... Go with go with your gut, trust your instincts, and and continue doing that. But also push yourself, accept challenges. Don't give up because something's hard. If you care about it, push through.
0: So how do you know um, whether you should? I mean, say someone is looking in in the general of animation. How how did you know you want to work in story, or is this just how you you where you ended up and just, you just ended up really liking it?
1: Um, well, to begin with, it was subconscious. I would spend my lunch times at school in the library drawing characters and coming up with cool storylines for them. As I finished high school and went into university, I was discovering computer technology and really, well, I mean, I'd known that it was always there and I dabbled with it, but I didn't know that anyone could actually get a job doing 3D animation. Like, are you kidding? And then I discovered, hold on, there's actually quite a lot of people working in 3D animation making a lot of money. So it was a matter of convincing myself and i think at the time my parents that 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 it was a legitimate sort of career path that i could aspire to and then also at the same time it was uh sorry what was the question
0: I was just more, I was just kind of wondering about how did uh, I get into it? Yeah. Say someone's wanting to get in an animation, but they don't know what their strength is or what their particular niche is in animation, whether they want to be a, an animator or whether they want to be in story or whether they want to write for animation. Oh, or...
1: absolutely. Well, I, th- I think that comes back to, to what I was suggesting earlier. Like, if you're not sure, throw yourself at a lot of different things and just make it your, make it your goal at first to find out what's right for you. So be extremely conscious of your own reactions to working in different ways on different things. And then work out... There's two different things you'll find. You'll find you're really good at some things and you really enjoy some things. They won't always be the same thing. Then you leverage what you're really good at to help you get to where you want to be with what you really enjoy. So at the moment, I'm working in film, doing story unit stuff, which is, you know, very heavily 3D technical. uh, And I'm leveraging that to get into games... Hopefully, doing something a lot more creative like game design and stories for games. So, my hobby is running the Sydney IGDA, which is the Independent Game Developers Association, and we get together monthly and we make cool indie games in our spare time. I don't get paid for that, but hopefully, one day I will.
0: Well, what about um, what is your assessment of the industry for newcomers?
1: Oh, it changes very rapidly. I'd say at the moment there's two major uh, feature animations being made in Sydney and there's a number of different smaller things being made in Brisbane and, and Melbourne. And I'd say that the pool of talent in Australia is small and the amount of paid work in Australia is, is small, but the number of people who are passionate about it to get into it is there's no shortage of them and that what what it really means is if you love something and you want to get into it you can still get into the industry here in Australia there's nothing stopping you but you must be diligent passionate and have a broader perspective than a lot of other people don't expect that if you sit quietly in your room animating all day that you will definitely make it into the industry because you could be really, really good, but if no-one sees you, if no-one knows you and if no-one's aware of your talents, then they won't get picked up. It's really important to be uh, present in the minds of the people who are making these films and who are willing to pay you for it. So, yes, by all means, hone your skills, but also hone your people skills and your networking as well.
0: When, um, When applying... Uh, What do you recommend is a good way of of putting together a reel
1: and a resume for getting into story and animation? Well, it actually flows directly into the job. Being a good visual communicator and a good storyteller is like knowing your audience and knowing how to get their attention and communicate well. The same thing when when it comes to applying for a job. You need to know who you're applying to, so research the company that you're working for, research the people who run those companies. I, I know this sounds a little bit odd, but you kind of need to do a lot of background research on the different uh, specific ideologies of the people. Like, you know, creative people are all very specific people. They all have their own idiosyncrasies. And I think the reason I ended up working with George Millet is because we have similar personalities. So if I was applying to Chrome Studios for a games job in Brisbane, I would need to learn about Steve Stamatiatis, the guy who runs that company. If I wanted to work for Allura Pictures in Melbourne, I would need to learn more about those guys and what their work is and how they, you know, what their creative values are. Uh, it may sound kind of crazy to say, oh, I need to redo my showreel and redo my resume f- for each of these different companies. No, definitely not silly. But if you really know yourself and you really know the kind of work you want to do, then the question's not that hard about how you present yourself and how you how you attempt to get the job by all means be professional um, be confident because if you lack lacking confidence people will read that as you not really caring about what you do or feeling like you're good at it and very often first impressions like that make a lot of difference also don't be arrogant don't give the person the impression that you are going to tell them how to run their company at the same time and usually the best thing you can do is let your work speak for itself and be very open to that, to that person. So confidence is something you build up over time through working with a lot of different people and a lot of different companies. Never be afraid at first to work with your friends and work within a small community of people, provided that you are open to criticism and that you're really wanting to learn stuff. And don't be too precious about your work either. Or like welcome criticism like know what your strengths are and also know who to listen to but welcome criticism accept the challenges it'll make you stronger
0: hmm, definitely because you're gonna have to have criticism from your leads and your directors eventually if you get a job
1: absolutely yeah good point I just want to touch a little bit more on the real
0: um, in, in the show reel. how do you demonstrate that you can tell a story
1: uh, well usually before working on big stories people work on small ones if you can If you can demonstrate in your, well, as part of your showreel or part of your extended showreel that you've actually constructed a story, no matter how simple, through animation or through visual communication of any sort, that's a big plus. Show that you can come up with a story. Don't even, don't feel too pressured to make it original or unique at first. Practice making stuff. There's, you know, there's a story that goes around in the creative industries about the two people. One of them, well, both of them were told to make pots and they had a year. One of them spent the entire year crafting one pot, and they spent every day adding to it, making it perfect, and and refining it and sculpting it. The other person made one pot each day, and they threw it away at the end of the day. And at the end of the year, the person who made many pots had managed to make, in one day, through all of their practice, a pot better than the person who spent an entire year crafting just one. And I think what that really means is practice. Don't be afraid to fail. Fail early, fail often, and just make stuff. The more stuff you make, the more broad your portfolio will be. And if you practice making stories, don't be too obsessive about how good the stories are at the start. Just make lots of them. When you make a short film or a short animation that tells a good story, put it in your reel. Make it short, make it punchy, and that will demonstrate your ability to tell stories using visual communication
0: Would you have uh, any last words your last piece of advice
1: um yeah I, well i I'm not sure quite what the range of your audience is at career geek, but I would say being a geek can definitely get you a career. There's a lot of money out there for people who have extremely specific knowledge of you know very intricate things, which is what you know us geeks are all about really. I think that when a geek manages to contextualise their very specific knowledge, like not just understanding how this one little thing that's extremely complex works and getting paid lots of money for it, but when you understand the broader context in which that thing sits, like, for example, uh, 3D animation, why do people use 3D animation software and why is it valuable, then you understand uh, why people tell stories and how 3D animation is useful to telling stories. I spent the past few years learning about the broader context in which my little function performs and it's helped me get way ahead in my career because oftentimes us geeks we sit quietly alone doing a job and other people find it difficult to get inside our headspace. So if we can get even smarter and help connect our little headspace within the larger context of the company in which we work it makes us much more mobile in our career. So I'd say learn about the big picture while you're learning about the very small, intricate picture.
0: Mm. By that, do you mean like how all the departments in in the process of filmmaking interconnect to create one holistic film? Well,
1: yeah, or, or in whatever geeky sort of career you have. I mean, typically, geeks are bad communicators, especially about, you know, how they're their little job like not that it's little, it's highly specialised and really, really complex, but they're very, very difficult at articulating how it relates to everything else so bridging that gap and becoming more of a sort of uh, social person within your industry and becoming a lot more Communicative with people of other specialisations is a big plus. It makes you far more employable. L- learning learning how, you would, how your specific technical geeky job relates to all of the jobs around it in your industry can be extremely valuable. It makes you a better communicator. It makes you better at, at networking and socialising and finding new jobs and helping other people with their jobs.
0: I'm really curious, what about um, screenings and any kind of awards and just getting any of your short projects into uh, festivals and such? Does How much does that count for getting your name out there and also
1: giving yourself some credibility. Tremendously, yes. Um, It's like any artist. You could be the best artist in the world, but if your art is not out there for people to witness, experience, and and appreciate and connect with you, then you virtually don't have a presence. It's the whole, you know, if an animator draws in the woods and no one's there to see it, does he really animate? Like, that kind of aspect... I think that's something that I've actually had a lot of trouble with in my own career, with my own idiosyncrasies, is I don't finish things well. I come up with great ideas, I network really well, I design things very well, but I don't always finish my projects. I tend to come up with something beautiful, design it, and then move on and come up with something else beautiful and design that. I don't usually build and complete and publish very well, and that's something I'm learning to correct. Um, working with other people who are strong in those aspects is is really good, so I would say, uh, yeah, definitely. You can be excellent at making stuff, but you also must be excellent at presenting it and getting it out there. So do publish short films, do put them online, do enter them in festivals, do uh, you know, do exhibitions of your work, and put it on your resume. And put it on your resume, absolutely.
0: Yeah. No worries. Thank you so much for your time. It's been fantastic. Thank you. No worries. Hopefully that's very useful to people.
1: Cool. And, uh, yeah, please do check out my website. It's small and unfinished, but, uh, yeah, it's where you can see some of my work. That's www.dualpulse.com, D-U-A-L-P-U-L-S-E, as in two pulses.com. dot No
0: worries. And we'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. Cheers. You've been listening to the Career Geek Podcast, a series of interviews with professionals working in all kinds of fields and industries relevant in some way to geeky interests, in the interest of learning about how exactly you get into these kind of awesome jobs. This is also a spin-off of the Canned Geek Podcast. Now that podcast is an hour-long discussion show of geek culture and news with myself and two other hosts, and you can find episodes of that podcast as well as more Career Geek interviews at www.cangeek.com, or you can subscribe on iTunes and follow the feed of both podcasts on there. And you can also check out cangeek.com for the most comprehensive and up-to-date guide to geeky conventions, meets and events happening in Australia, New Zealand and Tasmania. These episodes of Career Geek have been recorded during and after Midfer, which is Australia's furry convention, which was held from December 3rd to 6th, 2009, and is held every year in Melbourne in December. See, I began this project because two things converged in my mind. The first was that I noticed just how many members of the furry community worked in awesome and geeky professions. Robotics, special effects, animators, scientists, there's furries in those industries, and more. The second thing was that I've been pursuing my own career aspirations and pondering questions along the lines of, am I employable in my field? So Career Geek is aimed at high school students, uni students, and really any geek who went to the movies or saw their doctor or played a video game and thought to themselves I want to get paid to do that. As I mentioned, Career Geek was recorded around the time of Midfer, a furry convention which I'm proud to say I was working on as public relations and multimedia it was a really fun event to attend and to work on, and it provided the perfect opportunity to talk to these furries about their awesome jobs. So, I'd like to thank my fellow board members, the volunteers, our esteemed guests of honor, and every single attendee for making MidFur an amazing event. For more information on MidFur, you can visit www.midfur.com.au. That's M I D F U R.com.au. All the links mentioned in this episode can be found in the show notes at cangeek.com. And I do plan on adding more episodes of Career Geek in the future, talking with both furries and non-furries. Lastly, and most importantly, I'd like to thank the voices behind all the people you hear in the Career Geek podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time to sit down and talk with me and share your knowledge. Thank you for listening. Once again, the website is cannedgeek.com, and the music you've been hearing in the background is by Chicago Lolly.